Welcome back to the NFL Week 13 recap slash reaction. So this past week, what were some of the highlights? I mean, the Niners, a lot changed for them as Jimmy Garoppolo is out for the years. So they basically have two quarterbacks gone from what they had in week one. Trey Lance going down and now Jimmy Garoppolo. You can't make it up. Does Baker Mayfield go there? I mean, you never know. He got released from the Panthers today. Um, and of course, we'll touch on each game. So hopefully you guys enjoy the video. Leave a like. It always helps out. And let's get into it. Thursday night, we had the Bills at the Patriots, little AFC East matchup. The Bills won 24-10. They improved to 9-3, so they've won three in a row after dropping two in a row at one point just a few weeks ago. Patriots down to 6-6. Six and six. They are in last place in that really good division. Jets still in third. Dolphins in second coming off that loss. So this game, it was not what you wanted to see here from the Patriots. Their offense looked pretty dead the entire day. Nick Folk missed a field goal, I remember. I think it was right before halftime. And Josh Allen did his thing for the most part. He didn't have to do that much. He only had 223 passing yards. But the thing I've noticed with Buffalo lately is that they are committing to the run. And not with Naheem Hines, who they traded for at the deadline. He had two carries for negative three yards. But the other guys, Devin Singletary, 13 carries for 51 yards. And James Cook's the other one. I want to talk about who was their second round rookie in this past draft brother of Dalvin of course he had 14 carries which might be a season high honestly 64 yards and 4.6 per carry so James Cook a good receiver a good you know running back in general he can definitely be a key piece for this team as the playoffs approach us and I still think the Buffalo Bills are very much alive to make a deep playoff run despite some of their struggles a few weeks ago and you know, the Kansas City Chiefs may be looking a bit better. But Buffalo, in my opinion, would be the best spot for Odell Beckham Jr. I'm not sure when Odell will get on the field and when he'll get back. But I think this team could really use another wide receiver. You have Gabe Davis, who is pretty inconsistent. Stephon Diggs, there's way too much on his plate right now. And Isaiah McKenzie, another inconsistent guy. You have that other guy, Shakir. I think it's Khalil Shakir. Um, but if you can get Odell in there as your wide receiver three, I mean, pfft. You got to do that, right? So um, I think that's a good spot. Now, if you're New England, you have a pretty tough end to the season. They're at Arizona coming off a bye, at the Raiders who are playing better, home versus Cincinnati, home versus Miami, at Buffalo. So I'm not even sure if the Patriots will reach nine wins this year, which, of course, you don't see it too often in the Belichick era. But, um, yeah, that team definitely has a lot of offensive flaws. And Mac Jones was pissed. He's like, we have no run game. And he's kind of right. I mean, Damian Harris was out for this game. And Ramondre Stevenson's been more of a receiving back for that team. So the Patriots offense right now, not looking good. The Titans were at the Eagles. And this was a blowout. Philly, man, they look very good. Hate to say it, but they do. The Titans have dropped two in a row now after winning a bunch of games in a row. They had that one loss to uh, the Chiefs in between, but they won like seven out of eight games. But um, yeah, two in a row here that the Titans have dropped. They're now seven and five, but they're in a good spot here in their division because the AFC South is not very good. They're seven and five. The second place team is the Colts, who are four, eight and one. And Tennessee beat them twice already this year. So they already have that tiebreaker. They pretty much have that division locked up. So a revenge game for A.J. Brown. It was the big news in this one. And boy, did he not disappoint. Eight catches, 119 yards, two touchdowns. He had one incredible catch where the cornerback was all over him. But I guess Jalen Hurts made an awesome throw right in the bucket. Even Devontae Smith had a good game. Five catches, 102 yards. One touchdown, he caught a long one in this one. And you can tell pretty early this game was going to get out of hand because Traylon Burks, although he caught a touchdown in this one, on that play, he got a concussion 
or at least I think it was. It had to be. But he was knocked out for the rest of the game. And, you know, once he's gone, the Titans just don't have enough offensive firepower. Robert Woods is not the same guy he used to be. And Derrick Henry on the ground today or yesterday was only 11 carries for 30 yards. So if he's not carrying the offense and Traylon Burks, your best athlete at the wide receiver position, is out, it's going to be a tough day. So, you know, the final score definitely reflects that. 35 to 10 Eagles take it Jalen Hurts 380 three touchdowns no interceptions definitely putting himself in the MVP conversation which is crazy for a guy that was a second round pick just a couple years ago the Packers were at the Bears as I mentioned possibly the last time Aaron Rodgers will play the Bears as a Green Bay Packer we'll see what the offseason brings us and it seemed like Chicago for a bit was going to win this game. They went up 19 to 10 in the late third quarter after Cairo Santos made a 28-yard field goal. And, you know, the Packers don't have the same explosive offense that they used to. So them being down by two scores, two possessions in the fourth quarter, you're like, oh, man, the Bears might pull this off. And, you know, David Montgomery played well. Justin Fields and typical Justin Fields fashion lately had a 55-yard rushing touchdown. Christian Watson continues to stand out here for the Packers. He had two touchdowns in this game, one of them a 46-yard rushing touchdown, which was actually the last touchdown in this game that put the Packers up 28 to 19 but um Watson two touchdowns overall on the day he's been awesome and even AJ Dillon probably had his best game of the year Dillon definitely he started off great in week one versus Minnesota I remember but ever since then he has not been good I know Aaron Jones got banged up in this game but AJ Dillon had 18 carries for 93 yards and a touchdown Christian Watson was their most efficient runner 46 yards a carry and that's pretty hard to beat but Rodgers it wasn't the most impressive stat line 18 for 31 182 one touchdown Justin Fields did have a couple interceptions I remember one of those was very ugly I believe it was sometime in the middle of the fourth quarter so Although Fields has shown some very high upside this year and I think has shown the Packers or shown the Bears that they can win with him, he does have to cut out some of those mistakes, but he gives you so many high-end plays. Like, not many quarterbacks are going to run for 50, 60-yard touchdowns consistently, and that's something Justin Fields has been doing this year lately. But if you're Green Bay, it's finally nice to get a win once again. They're 5-8. and eight. The Bears dropped to 3-10. and 10. Sheesh. But yeah, Justin Fields was back, so that's good to see. They go into their bye. And if you're a Bears fan, as I said, maybe you just want to lose at this point and get yourself like the best wide receiver in the draft. I don't know. If you're the Packers, I mean... I guess you continue to fight. Why not? Because I guess there is a shot. The NFC is not very good. So maybe if the Packers rattle off a few in a row here, they play the Rams, who, of course, they're decimated with injuries. They're at Miami. That will be tough. They have the Vikings at home and the Lions at home. So maybe Green Bay gets, you know, three out of four there, something they get themselves to eight and nine. You know, I'm not saying that'll get them in the playoffs, but it could get them in the conversation. So I guess we'll see what happens there. Next, the Jaguars were at the Lions. A blowout. I mean, this was supposed to be a close game. I think it was Detroit minus one. So the books expected this one to be close, but the Lions had other ideas. They win this one 40 to 14. So this was a smash spot for the Jaguars passing game. Of course, the Lions secondary has been pretty bad this year. One of the worst in football. And they did not score their first touchdown until 2 minutes, 58 seconds left in the third quarter where my old friend Evan Engram found the end zone. But the Lions, they went up 22-3 early in this game. Then they made it 30-6 after a DeAndre Swift one-yard touchdown. And then in garbage time, but garbage time for the winning team, Jared Goff found Amon Ross St. Brown for a four-yard touchdown, making it 40-14. to 
Very scary moment in this game for Trevor Lawrence, who went down with an injury. His leg got twisted very awkwardly, and... You know, I saw on Twitter that it looked like, you know, I think the person tweeted Trevor Lawrence down brutal injury. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. And then you see the replay and it did not look good. But then maybe like 20, 30 minutes later after halftime, you see Lawrence just walking in the tunnel. He looks completely fine. He got back out there. So I guess that's great news for Jacksonville fans. But Lawrence in a spot where he should have dominated was not that impressive. Only 179 passing yards. One passing touchdown. Jamal Williams scored another touchdown. I do think I saw a stat where he now has as many touchdowns as the entire Broncos offense. So I don't know how a Lions running back has as many touchdowns as an entire team that's led by Russell Wilson, but that's kind of the weird season that's been so far. But uh, yeah, I'm going to St. Brown's a complete stud. 11 catches, 114 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he he's amazing. Even Foye Aluakon had 15 tackles. He's always up there um, in tackle leaders. I mean, he was with Atlanta for the last few years, and he was very good there. It feels like Jacksonville, they should be moving in the right direction, but I don't know what it is. They're a very inconsistent team. They've had very impressive wins this year. Last week, they had a great comeback versus the Baltimore Ravens. They beat the Raiders a few weeks back. They destroyed the Chargers in week three. They shut out the Colts in week two. But they also dropped these games that they shouldn't drop. I mean, that 13-6 loss versus Houston in week five was as bad as it gets. I mean, you can't have that. And then you get blown out by the Lions at home. You can't have that either. Anyway, the Jaguars, they're probably done with any type of playoff contention. The Lions are now 5-7, and seven, so they're getting back in the conversation. They are in second place in the NFC North, but they are still behind teams like the entire NFC East are still behind. They're behind Seattle. So I'm sure the Lions are not mathematically out of it here, but they're going to need some losses by the Giants and Washington and Seattle to even have a chance here. And they finish off. Off. They're at the Jets next week at the Panthers, home versus the Bears, and at Green Bay. That Jets game is probably the toughest one, so maybe the Lions find a way to go 3-1 and one down the stretch, but that's asking for a lot. But if they do, or 4-1, and one, sorry, I missed a game. They're home versus Minnesota next week. The Jets are in two weeks, so that's going to be a tough game as well. But if they can somehow win four out of five, they will get to nine and eight, and maybe the Lions get themselves in the playoffs. You never know. The Browns were at the Texans, the return of Deshaun Watson, which was the biggest storyline. But this was one of the wackiest football games I've ever seen. If you had the Browns defense in fantasy football or DFS, congrats to you because they probably won you the week. They had 30 points in my scoring format, so the Browns defense was amazing. Deshaun Watson wasn't even that good. He was 12 of 22, 131 yards, a brutal interception, no touchdowns. So most of the damage was done by the Browns defense and special teams. The Browns scored 27. They won 27 to 14. They improved to five and seven. The Texans dropped to one ten and one. Jeez. But they did not have a single offensive touchdown in this game, Cleveland, and they scored 27 points. Like, that never happens. I mean, it happened to, like, Rex Grossman. This was years ago, like 2004, 2005, 2006, maybe. But, um... My goodness, I, you've never, I've never seen something like this. I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones had a punt return right before halftime, gave the Browns a 7-5 lead. Then Denzel Ward had a fumble recovery, brought it in for a touchdown. That gave the Browns a 14-5 lead. And then Kyle Allen got picked by Tony Fields, and he returned it for 16 yards 
for a Browns touchdown. So two defensive touchdowns, one punt return touchdowns, two field goals, and somehow the Browns win 27 to 14. It just makes no sense. Sometimes football is just crazy like that. But the Texans, man, they have not won since week five, and it's not going to get any easier. This might be the biggest spread I've seen this year. They are a plus 17 at Dallas next week. Sheesh. So that's pretty rough. Then they're versus the Chiefs. Not much easier after that. Then they're at Tennessee. Then they're home versus Jacksonville, who actually, they, they play pretty well against Jacksonville. I do think the Texans will get another win this year. They finish out the year with the Jaguars and Colts. They'll win one of those games, right? Like, they probably will. So they, they might finish like 2-15-1, whatever the hell the record would be. So... Obviously not a great year for Houston, but you might as well get the number one overall pick, try to get a franchise quarterback, and go from there. If you're Cleveland, you are 5-7. and seven. They actually have a very easy schedule after this next week. So they're at Cincinnati, which is going to be a tough game, of course. They're playing very good football. But after that game, they are home versus the Ravens, home versus the Saints, at Washington, and at Pittsburgh. So... If they can somehow win four in a row there, I mean, they're looking at a possible nine and eight record, which, you know, it's wishful thinking, hopeful thinking. You know, I'm trying to like get these teams in the playoffs here, but um, yeah, Deshaun Watson's definitely going to have to return to form and it's a lot to ask for. The guy's not played since 2020, so I doubt it, but the Browns, I guess, are still mathematically alive. The Steelers were at the Falcons, another tough loss here for Atlanta. The Steelers are playing better football. They win this one 19-16. They improve to 5-7. The Falcons drop to 5-8. And, and once again, as I've said the past couple weeks here, the Falcons have had a golden opportunity this year to really not take control, but just be in the lead in the NFC South right now because the Buccaneers are not having the best year. We'll see what they do later tonight. But this was another game that Atlanta definitely could have won. And I do believe Cordero Patterson had a touchdown that would have put Atlanta up by one pending the extra point, but there was a holding call, and it got called back. They had to settle for three, and that made it a 19-16 game. I remember the Falcons got the ball back. Not much time left, maybe like 30 seconds. They had 90 yards to go, and of course, Mariota threw an interception to Minka Fitzpatrick. He could have housed it, but he took it out at the five-yard line. He made the unselfish play. I probably would have taken that if I was Minka, but he did go out of bounds. Steelers took a knee or two, and that was the game. So, you know, Pittsburgh has been playing better of late. I think Kenny Pickett, he did not throw for 200 yards in this game, but he definitely looked okay. The Steelers have won three of their past four, and the one loss they had was versus Cincinnati, where they lost by seven in a high-scoring game. For Atlanta, I mean, after a pretty good start this year, they have now dropped four of their past five. Their one win was against the Bears. So definitely a disappointing loss here for Atlanta. And I do hope at some point Desmond Ritter gets in there because we know what Marcus Mariota is. I think everybody and every Falcons fan wants to see what Ritter has. And I do think once they're mathematically out of it, which I don't know when that's going to be, but I do think Atlanta should give Desmond Ritter a shot before the season ends. The Broncos, they took on the Ravens. Seemed like Denver actually almost got this win. They were up 9-3 to for pretty much majority of this game ever since the third quarter. And, of course, just the unthinkable happens. So Lamar Jackson gets hurt. He's week-to-week now with an injury. They're saying he's not out for the season, but, of course, that's very concerning. And especially for Lamar being in a contract year, you hate to see that, but he'll get paid regardless. So, anyway, Baltimore, they were favored by, like, 8.5, 9 points. They win this one 10-9. 
gave me a lot of vibes of that game they had a couple weeks ago versus the Panthers when they won 13-3. to Just an ugly offensive game. And then, you know, Tyler Huntley comes in and he does okay, I guess, for the most part. He, made, he I think he completed his first five passes, so that was good to see. But Huntley was given the ball with five minutes to go, down 9-3. to So, of course, they needed a touchdown. Five minutes to go on his own nine-yard line. So, he had to go 91 yards and take his team down to win. And he did it. I mean, I give him a lot of credit. They converted a fourth down, I believe, where Mark Andrews took a, uh, a quarterback sneak. He made a great throw to Kenyon Drake where he kind of faked out a defender and got them down at like the two-yard line. And then Tyler Huntley had a you know two-yard rushing touchdown. So definitely a good job by him. And I do think Huntley can keep this team afloat. Looking at the Ravens' next few games here, they are... Right now, three-point underdogs at the Steelers, okay? They should compete in that game. They're at Cleveland after that, and then they're home versus Atlanta. So they have three games that I think they'll be able to stay in it. Maybe they go one and two, two and one without Lamar, assuming he's not playing. But the Ravens overall, they do have some bigger problems right now. To only score 10 points in this game, it is concerning. I know the Broncos have a very good defense, and they almost pulled it off. It actually came down to a 63-yard Brandon McManus field goal. It fell short, so... You know, Russell Wilson at least put them in a spot to win this game, but for the most part, it was another underwhelming Russell Wilson game. Like, Russ's completion percentage was good. He was 17 of 22, but only 189 yards. And Tyler Huntley on the other side, he was 27 for 32, 187, did have an interception, but he did do pretty well on the ground and had the game-winning rushing touchdown. So, if you're the Ravens, you'll take the win. The Broncos, it gets worse and worse. They don't even have their first-round pick because it belongs to Seattle. So, losing does that team no good. You hate to see it. The Commanders were at the Giants. Huge playoff implications in this game. And of course, it ends in a tie, which is the most Giants thing ever. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a Giants tie in my lifetime since being a fan since 2005 or so. So this is something new and I'm not a fan of it. I went over that in my reaction to this game. I hate ties. I mean, they have to find a way to just have a winner and a loser. Like you can't, I, I just, I don't know. It's just terrible. Anyway, the Giants had so many opportunities to win this game. They had a very stupid taunting call by their center, John Feliciano. Darius Slayton in the late fourth quarter dropped the ball that would have put them in field goal range. Some people said it wasn't the best pass by Daniel Jones, but it hit him in both of his hands. So I would expect an NFL receiver to catch that ball. Brian Dable did not go for it on fourth and three in overtime on Washington's 43-yard line. A lot of like playing not to lose type stuff. And uh, as a Giants fan, I'm just pretty unhappy about what happened here. I thought the Giants were the better team. The biggest play for Washington was Taylor Heineke. He had a fourth down and four. And he rolled out to his left, game on the line in the fourth quarter, made a really good throw to uh, Curtis Samuel. And then a couple plays later, Jahan Dotson scored a touchdown on a drag route where the Giants just were kind of allergic to tackling him. So he got in the end zone, tied the game at 20, but just very annoying. I thought at first it was going to be a long day because Washington went up 10 nothing right out the gate, but uh, the Giants did fight back and the Giants took a 20-13 to lead in the third quarter. So I was thinking, hey, the Giants were in a good spot here, but they did let Washington come back in the final two minutes of the fourth quarter. Goes to overtime, Giants had their chances, and unfortunately ends in a tie. So... The game these teams play in two weeks will now be on national TV. I think it's the Sunday night game. 
and I'm scared because Daniel Jones has never won a primetime game in his career, so hopefully this is the first time he can get it done. But the Giants definitely need that win versus Washington in a couple weeks. The Dolphins were at the 49ers, a pretty weird game. I mean, the way it started out and the way it finished was just so different. So the Niners win 33 to 17. The Niners improved to 8 and 4. The Dolphins dropped to 8 and 4, so now they have the same record but different conference doesn't matter. But yeah, this game was weird because on like the first play of the game from scrimmage, Tua hit Trent Sherfield, a former Niner actually, so revenge spot for him, on a 75-yard touchdown, first play of the game. And then Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt early, a foot injury. He's out for the year, so we'll talk about the big picture for the Niners here in a bit. But Brock Purdy comes in, who I believe was the Mr. Irrelevant pick from this past draft. So he comes in and actually plays pretty well. A lot of Robbie Gold field goals in this one. But Purdy did have 210 passing yards, two touchdowns, only one interception, so... He looked pretty good. I mean, Tua Tungavailoa got a little banged up in this game. He had two picks as well. Definitely Tua's most off game in a long time. He had a third of Tyreek Hill that was way behind him. It was tipped. It was picked. So for Miami, I mean, just having Garoppolo go out that early, you would hope that your team can get that win. And I do think this is their first loss where Tua finished the game because the one time they lost when Tua started was that Thursday night game where he got very injured and had to leave early. But there was just constant pressure by the Niners defense the entire day they definitely should get the game ball on this one but um for the Niners going forward it's gonna be tough you know what I mean I mean Garoppolo was a guy that Shanahan's record with him is great and Shanahan's record with other quarterbacks since being in San Francisco is terrible so um, I forget what the exact percentages are but without Garoppolo that Niners team has not had a good win-loss record since Kyle Shanahan's been there, which I think is since 2017. So that, of course, is guys with like, that's like Brian Hoyer and CJ Beathard and Trey Lance for a couple games. So, you know, it's not the best group of quarterbacks there, but I don't know what the 49ers do. If I'm them, I am taking Baker Mayfield. I don't see why not. I mean, Brock Purdy can be the starter here in the short term, but I don't know how much longer they can go with him. I mean, Baker sucks. I get it, but he did show that. Um, with the Browns in 2020, he can operate a really good roster. And that's kind of what the Niners have right now, obviously. So I know Baker's lost all of his confidence and maybe you don't want to bring him into the locker room, but it's just a very crappy situation here for San Francisco, but they still have a great roster. So if they can get decent quarterback play, they are still alive to make a run this year, but it got a lot harder. The Seahawks were at the Rams, and uh, the Seahawks almost blew a golden opportunity to just win a game they should have won, but they did get a last-second victory, 27-23. to DK Metcalf, 8-yard touchdown with 41 seconds to go. But it did seem like for a bit here the Rams were going to win this game, which was very surprising. Geno Smith, 367 yards, three touchdowns, did have a pick and was sacked four times. John Wolford got the start for the Rams in this game, and his stat line was not very good. Two interceptions, 178 yards passing. Surprisingly, Cam Akers got 17 carries in this game. 60 yards, two touchdowns on the ground for him. There were some good drives at the end, though. So John Wolford, he led a drive, uh, 75 yards for a touchdown from uh, five minutes to go in the fourth quarter till about two minutes to go or three minutes to go. Geno Smith got the ball down by three. And of course, they could have tied it with a field goal, but you want to get the touchdown there. And Geno had to go 75 yards as well, and he did it. And then he found Metcalf for that eight-yard touchdown, putting the Seahawks up by four. And then on the final play for the Rams, just a 
pretty awful interception by John Wolford. There's nothing he could do really, but just a very easy interception there for Cody Barton. And he closed out the game there for Seattle. They improved to seven and five and Seattle right now, I believe is a playoff team. They're in the wild card. So with Jimmy Garoppolo's injury, I don't expect the Niners to fall off. We'll get to them later, but um, they're definitely alive to still win this division. But the Seahawks, at least for getting a playoff spot, it's definitely trending in the right direction getting this win here. The Chargers were at the Raiders, a game that the Chargers didn't have to win, but a very critical loss for them in the playoff standings. The Raiders take this one 27 to 20. The Raiders are playing pretty good football. I mean, after starting out the season 0-3, 1-4, they got down to 2-7 at one point. Since then, they've won three in a row. That has included two overtime wins versus Denver versus Seattle, and then this win in regulation here versus the Chargers. Now the Raiders play the Rams on Thursday night, so they're already six-point favorites. It's on the road, but of course the Rams have nobody, so... The Raiders have a rough last couple weeks here. I mean, the Niners, we'll see, but they do play San Francisco, and then they play the Chiefs in Week 18, so it's a tough end to the season for them, but the whole, like, oh, Josh McDaniels, will he get fired? I don't think so. He'll he'll be back next year. I mean, that team might still be paying John Gruden, so I don't think they want to pay three coaches at that point, so I'm sure Josh McDaniels will remain with that team. The Chargers, man, speaking of coaches, Brandon Staley, um, short leash, I'm sure, at this point. Josh Jacobs, as suspected, had a great game on the ground because the Chargers don't stop the run. Herbert found Keenan Allen on a, man, one of the best throws I've seen all year. Just an awesome throw to Keenan Allen. Back corner of the end zone, 35 yards on 4th and 12, have to have it. So it was good to see Keenan Allen back and healthy. On a 4th and 9 play, Herbert had an incompletion to DeAndre Carter. Raiders took uh, the ball back, and that was pretty much it. The Chargers got the ball back with like 20 seconds left, but there was nothing they can do. Pretty bad loss for them, especially playing for a playoff spot. And now the Raiders find themselves one game back of the Chargers, which is crazy. The Chiefs were at the Bengals. Uh, the Chiefs looking for their revenge after the Bengals ended their season last year. They did not get revenge. The Bengals, they take it 27-24. to one of the better games of the day, and pretty much after a missed field goal by Harrison Bucker, that was with 3 minutes 24 seconds left. He missed a 55-yarder, had the distance, but he missed it off to the right. And after that, the Chiefs defense could not get off the field. I mean, the Bengals ran the ball out, Joe Burrow took a couple knees, and that was the game. So... Definitely a great win there for the Bengals, who have been playing really good football of late. They have won four games in a row. They've won six of their past seven. And after starting out 0-2, they have been a really good football team. They, of course, are 8-2 since that time, 8-4 overall. Um, and the Chiefs, they did have a touchdown lead, 24-17 to in the late third quarter after Mahomes ran in a three-yard touchdown on fourth and three. But then McPherson had a 41-yard field goal. Burrow found Chris Evans. No more, uh, no Joe Mixon in this game. So a lot of P. Ryan, a lot of, uh, not a lot, but some Chris Evans as well. P. Ryan had a big game in this one. And the Bengals were able to hold on. A very quiet day for Travis Kelsey. I don't know if it was like a scheme thing and like the... Um, the Bengals playing great defense. I'm assuming it was, but Kelsey did not have a catch the entire first half, which I can't even remember the last time that's ever happened, if it's ever happened. Like, it just, it never happens. Um, but Juju was quiet. Marcus Valdez-Scantling did have 71 yards, but dropped a touchdown. He dropped another long pass as well, but that's the uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling experience. So definitely not the best game you'll see from the Chiefs, and I'm sure they, they want that one back. But the Bengals are playing good football right now. 
And the Bengals have something that most teams don't have when they go up against the Chiefs. You're probably wondering, like, why the hell are the Bengals always beating the uh, the Chiefs? I think it's because the Bengals just have the offensive firepower to keep up with them. Most teams don't. Like, you can try all you want. You can play that style of football where you try to keep the ball away from Mahomes and things like that. But Mahomes is going to get the ball, and he's going to put up points. But the thing about the Bengals is that they can kind of match what the Chiefs do offensively. And Joe Burrow, despite sometimes his offensive line breaking down, has such great pocket awareness, and he's making plays happen. They got T. Higgins playing well. They got Jamar Chase back. Chase had seven catches for 97 yards in his return. T. Higgins only three catches for 35 yards, but did score the touchdown. So if I had to pick right now, I would say that the Bengals end up winning the North because they have the same record as the Ravens right now. The Ravens have not looked great lately, and they are without Lamar Jackson for the foreseeable future. The Bengals play the Browns next week, then they're at Tampa, then they're at New England, home versus Buffalo, and then home versus Baltimore. There might be two losses left on that schedule, if that, but the way the Bengals are playing right now, I mean, I would not want to play them. They look very good. Colts at Cowboys. Oh my goodness. I, th this, this might be... I was talking about the Browns game before, how weird that game was because of all the defensive and special teams touchdowns. This game gave me, and I've been watching football like religiously since like 2005, 2006. This was the worst quarter I've ever seen from an NFL team in my entire life. The fourth quarter by the Colts was the most horrific quarter of football I have ever seen in my life. They lost the fourth quarter 33 to 0. In one quarter. Like, imagine a team starting out up 33-0 in the first quarter. It was just like, it was like the Colts were just not trying to do, I don't even know. Like It was like they were trying to lose the game. It started with the, uh, the Mo Alley-Cox fumble. And this game was actually kind of close at one point. That's the crazy part. In the late third quarter, Matt Ryan found Alec Pierce. It was a great throw, great catch by Pierce. A 15-yard touchdown. Late third quarter, like three minutes to go. Made it a two-point game. They missed a two-point conversion, but at that point, it's a two-point game entering the fourth quarter. You're like, all right, we have a game here. And somehow, this game that was once 21-19 to ends in a 54-19 to victory for Dallas. 33 points in the fourth quarter. There was a quick Michael Gallup touchdown, then Matt Ryan had the screen pass to Moelle Cox. He fumbled. It just bounced perfectly into Malik Hooker's um, arms. He took it back for a 38-yard touchdown. Then Tony Pollard had a 30-yard touchdown. Zeke had a 4-yard touchdown. The other running back, Malik Davis, had a 23-yard touchdown. Just like Matt Ryan had like four passes in the fourth quarter that were just, it looked like he was tanking. It was just like he was throwing the ball to the wrong team on purpose. He was intercepted three times, sacked three times. Ryan also lost a fumble. It was just like the worst thing I've ever seen. And I'm thinking, like, I had the uh, I had the Colts plus 10.5 in this game. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm in a good spot here. And then you see the final score. And I had it on here as I was doing my Giants, uh, like, postgame reaction. I'm like, what is going on here? I look up, and it's, you know, it was just 21-19 a minute ago. And now it's, like, 35-19. So just an insane game. If, if you want to watch the worst quarter of football, just go back and watch the Colts. I mean, when people said Jeff Saturday, first time coach in football, what could possibly go wrong? This is what they were talking about. I mean, it hasn't been awful overall yet, but this was, oh my goodness. I mean, it just, 
It happens. My Giants better not lose to those Colts uh, in week 17 when they play them. So anyway, that will do it. We have the Saints at the Buccaneers tonight. If the Saints win that game, which I don't think they will, but it's only Tampa minus three and a half, so maybe. But um, the Saints and Bucks would have the same record, which is crazy. The Bucks would drop to five and seven. The Saints would be five and eight. Actually, that's not the same record. Do the Bucks have a buy or the Saints have a buy? Oh yeah, the Saints have a week 14 buy. All right, so never mind. But they'll be tied in the win column, which is just it's nuts. I mean, the, the Saints have had an awful season, but the NFC South, it shouldn't even exist anymore. Like just give that I don't know, just take that division out and let the NFC East make the playoffs. Just give it to the Giants, give it to Washington, give it to somebody that at least deserves it because it, it's just an awful division. And I'm old enough to remember when they it was a fun division when you had Matt Ryan in his prime and you had um you know, you had Cam Newton in his prime, Drew Brees in his prime. The Buccaneers were always like, eh, you know, you had like Josh Freeman and Jameis Winston when he was fun, but I don't know. That division used to be like fun and cool. And now it's just, it's awful. Anyway, that will do it. I'm going to take, I'm taking Tampa tonight. I took them on the spread pick show. I think like, I don't know. I just cannot see the Bucks losing this game. I just, it doesn't make sense. You know, you have Tom Brady, your defense is still talented. The saints have no offense. Andy Dalton stinks. I'd be surprised, but the spread is pretty fishy. So anyway, hopefully you guys enjoyed the video. Leave a like, and I'll talk to you guys next time.